tea with Toby. Tea with Toby. Tea with Toby. Tea with Toby. Toby. Tea with Toby. Toby. Tea with Toby. Welcome to season five of our Tea with Toby podcast. This season, our focus is all about elevating social care, and we touch on a number of key and topical subjects vital to growing care organisations. On this episode, we're joined by Ben Patrick, Operations Director at Apex Prime Care, and Aaron Bridon, Managing Director at B&B International. And we'll be discussing the best practices of recruiting care workers overseas, and also the journey Apex Prime Care experienced from going from zero to 120 carers in just 10 months. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to Tea with Toby. Let's start with a helicopter-view introduction of both of our guests, starting with you, Ben. Hi, I'm Ben Patrick. I'm from Apex Prime Care, I'm the Operations Director for Apex. I do a bit of everything, really, um, from tech to recruitment to you name it. Oh, I'm not accounting, I'm not good with numbers, but um, I've come back four years ago to help my dad retire. And what's the size of the company? About 37 branches, um, around 1,800 care staff. About it. Hi, my name's Aaron Britton. I'm a managing director of BMB International Recruitment. Um, we've got uh, offices in the Philippines and the UK and Canada. Um, we've been operating since 1998. Uh, we've got around 25, 30 clients in the UK and Canada at the moment. Uh, we've deployed around um, 8,000 care staff, uh, care professionals, different disciplines. And um, can go in a little bit about sort of the history of our company a little bit, yeah. Um, so we were started by, we're a family company, we were started by my mother, who was one of the first Filipino nurses to be recruited back in around uh, 73, 74. Um, uh, we uh, operate quite an ethical uh, level of recruitment based off her uh, experiences. Um, she had to uh, apply by herself, fly um, for her own visa, book her own air tickets, uh, find her own travel from Heathrow to Leicester at that time. So we take all of that off uh, based off her her, her, uh, her bad experiences and we provide the service that she didn't have. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. In Tea with Toby Fashion, we're going to dive straight in. And Ben, I'm going to come straight to you. You've been super busy. Um, in my notes, I had you went from zero to 120 um, overseas care recruit in 10 months for that yeah. you just shared it's 190 mm-hmm. so before we go into that can you tell me a little bit more about what challenges you're experiencing um within the business uh from a recruitment perspective to begin with that gave you the idea to to start thinking about overseas yeah so um during covid we had probably one of our best couple months of recruitment in the uk but i think that was mainly because of like um but no, no one being able to work. So be, being a carer, I mean, they could be out, they could be socializing because they were a key worker. Uh, after those three months went, uh, it kind of just a quickly downward spiral from people going back to their own industry. Um, so hospitality being becoming more competitive because workforce in general just became this uh, gold mine, really. And everyone was kind of going everywhere else. So I got to around, I think, September after kind of COVID disappeared and just recruitment was just, uh, non-existent in terms of UK so um, I saw an advert that I think it was Care Talk advert that Aaron had put out in terms of recruiting now and we just gave it a go um, before that time it was 
it was uh, the senior care workers on the list. Uh, and at the time of this, the all the offices were actually covering care work as well as doing their office office work. Um, so there was high burnout uh, in terms of our offices. Everyone was trying to get out of care. And that was their main reason for leaving. It wasn't like normally in care, you lose people to other companies. We were actually losing people majority because they just had enough. If you can think they've gone through COVID, they've gone through a cost of living crisis and a council offers them 3% pay rise. Well, I know where I'd be going and that'd be the door. So in terms of that, it's not like that. That's changed in somewhat. We do offer quite a good salary. It's competitive with the likes of Audi, which it shouldn't be. It should be a lot higher than that now anyway. But um, yeah, so we then went with 120 workers from the Philippines and the deployment was interesting um, to say the least, but it actually became such a benefit and such a bonus to the office staff that they went back to doing their normal jobs and covering the care as they should have done. So, Wow. So COVID happened, loads of people came to the yeah. care sector because that was the only sector that continued to go on. And then once it sort of died down, people went back and mm -hmm. actually people went to other industries. I think you've mentioned Pizza Hut was really, people could log into Pizza Hut all of a sudden you're on the wood. Yeah. So what are the benefits? You touched on the benefits of overseas recruitment. What, from your perspective as a care provider, what do you see to be the main benefits? Well, in the kind of stats, is really 165,000 vacancies, and that doesn't seem to ever change. I think the year before COVID, it was 120,000 vacancies, so it grew by 45,000. Um, I think the, the benefit is that you've got people that are coming over that have got care experience, either not professionally or... Uh, they looked after the family, which seems to kind of be, become a miss in this country. And it seemed to, everyone wants to like more and more time to themselves and the family kind of comes second. So I think from that, yeah, and you also get a really high skilled workforce, especially from the Philippines. Um, there's the, a lot of the care workers that couldn't pass the nurse exam, which I think you said it was like 60% don't pass or more than that. Um, and that means those people that don't pass don't become nurses, become care assistants. So you've got these people that are trained to a nursing level which then come over. So from that point of view, huge benefit. Um, and also covering this 165,000 vacancies, which I know that a lot of people have been brought over. So I think it might've gone down, but at the same time, the ethical side, which we've mentioned is just, it's quite, it's trying to work out whether these people that have got money have just started an agency up, brought a lot of overseas workers over and then can't actually source the work for them. So from that point of view, I think, yeah, I think overseas is great. And I think it's, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Brilliant. Aaron, I'd love to bring you in at this point. There are some care providers who are listening to this now who are probably getting inquiries of people asking for sponsorship, but have never really considered it before. Can you just walk us through what the process is when it comes to um, hiring care workers from overseas? But, and also, what are the key considerations care providers should be thinking about? Yeah, well, I think that, um, first of all, you've got to have a look at... Uh... Uh, your vacancy rates, your agency rates, what the costs are, and looking at it from a business value point of view, it is a lot of investment, not just um, uh, from a from a financial point of view, but from a time point of view. And you invest a lot, even emotionally. You have to invest yourself a lot. Uh, these people are putting their, um, their trust into your hands. So it's not a decision that you can take lightly, and you need to make sure that you've got the resources to provide uh, all of the support, um, not just on the front end, on the recruitment side, um, on the due diligence with, if you use an agency, um, but also uh, with the individuals that you're hiring, doing the references, doing the background checks, um, 
but but more importantly is actually the post-arrival side, so the settlement side, making sure you've got the houses, making sure that um, things are affordable for them, um, making sure that really that there's this, this is going to be sustainable uh, because you are putting a lot of investment up front. So really you want to make sure that the people that you hire are um, are the right fit for you and are going to stay with you long term because that's what they want as well. Um, and And then once you've decided that that might be the right opportunity, then you have to look at UKBA sponsors, licenses, getting into the nitty gritty, uh, looking at the cost and the process of certificate of sponsorships, uh, work permits, uh, cost of airfares, everything else. So, um, yeah, it's but it, it initially is just really looking at um, uh, is that is that the right position for you? Uh, taking those first steps forward. Brilliant. Ben, I heard a couple of giggles of it from you. You're probably just reminiscing <laughs> on, on the process yeah. you've been. But can you just share from your perspective how the process has been for you? Well, we started in the middle of COVID. Um, so the process, you do it now and I say, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the things we had to deal with just un- uh, unbelievable, really. Um, going back, me and I at one time were like, oh, this group is just cursed. Well, well so th- at that stage, people were having to do quarantine. quarantine. There was fast release yeah. um, uh, COVID tests they had to do. They had to do COVID tests before they leave the Philippines. Another COVID test when they arrived 24 hours. Another COVID test after five days, if you remember that. Yeah. And, and, so, and that was... And then, and then people who were testing positive 24 hours before departure, at some one point there was a group of 12 and six of them tested positive. Yeah. So we had orientations, we had pickup from airports, air ch- uh, flights had to be changed. So the parents fly- well, that was especially the big thing. So we're having to like rent out a room and sometimes we wouldn't get that three months. But then at the same time as this kind of people uh, get like do the COVID checks, but then they're going in a spare room in someone's house. It's like, oh, right, so I've got to get someone that's from a different country and quarantine them in my house while I'm getting rent for them. So it was a very kind of high-stress time. And then at the same time, I think the worst one was the three people on a flight, the, the one that was on the news, it was going sideways and slammed down. One of them was crying, one of them was throwing up and was praying because they didn't think they were going to make it. And the, then the uh, plane buckled and they couldn't open the luggage area. And then they arrived and got COVID. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, it's already it's already a difficult process. Yeah, but now I'd say you apply for the visa in six to eight weeks later they arrive. Um, obviously, you do the interview online. You make sure they can talk English with. They all can. It's perfect. Um, and then you do you get a really good group of um, applicants. Like it's forty hours a week from ten people that just landed. <laughs> you say that to a recruiter five years ago, they'd be like, "Nah, not never gonna happen." So especially when you can get ten people in, it meant that not only did we take pressure off our office staff, but it took a pressure off. The hospitals in terms of hospital beds and families that were looking after family members so it was it was a huge benefit not just to us as a company but to the community around us aaron i'd love to get your views on this you've been doing this since 2000 not so 1998 correct so you're a veteran in doing this from your perspective what are the most common challenges that care providers usually face and how can they overcome this what i'm trying to do is have someone listen to this and not have to go through all the <laughs> challenges that Ben went through, but also like just giving them that that foresight and look, looking back or what to expect. I think I think I touched upon it before. I mean, you're going to get, and I'm sure a lot of your uh, uh, listeners will will um, have a lot of applicants applying from overseas already, finding good quality staff uh, from overseas. Um, is it isn't too difficult? Um, you know, there's a lot of checks and a lot of. Um, 
uh, a due diligence that you need to do on that side. But actually, uh, the thing you need to um, put emphasis on is the uh, post-arrival side. So that's everything really from the pre-departure seminar uh, that you would provide them um, uh, introductions to to managers before they arrive. Ben's got an amazing team. They provide a three days um, training fr from the Philippines whilst their uh, work permits are in process. So that keeps them engaged during the recruitment side. Um, but also it introduces them to uh, their supervisors, their managers, their train providers. It means that they can hit the ground running and hit that 40 hours straight away. Um, and and once they arrive as well, you know, uh, I know from our perspective, BNB we collect from the airport, making sure that um, uh, culturally uh, there's a there's a bridge. So that might be if you don't use an agency, finding someone in your team from the country that you're recruiting from, whether it be from India or Africa or the Philippines or other parts of Asia. Um, they need to be that that person that they can really uh, speak to um, in their own language and, you know, speaking their language as well. So uh, that's very, very important. And having those lines of communication, um, being transparent about the job itself, uh, managing, managing uh, expectations of what the job is going to be, managing expectations of their salaries. Because if you show, show someone, this is how much you're earning, this is how much you can earn, 40, 50, 60 hours per, per week sometime, um, then you really need to explain ha uh, tax to them, how much the housing is, how much, um, how much it is to get around, how much your living costs and how much really they're going to be taking home. Um, all of that needs to be done just to avoid any, any problems in the future. That's where, that's where it comes in from. And then, you know, even simple things, we provide a food pack. So all of their, um, familiar foods that they've got back in the Philippines, um, something again, which my mother didn't have, uh, but for that first two, three weeks, just so that they're up on their feet and, and they can, they can really just concentrate on doing what Ben wanted, which, which is the work. Uh, so Ben, let's, let's touch on that onboarding any start. Yes. Pivotal to the success of organization, let alone someone who's relocating from overseas. Can you talk to us a little bit about your onboarding process and how to make sure you're set up for success? Well, it's the deployment overseas has changed our induction completely. Uh, and that's benefit not only to the overseas coming over, but to like the new recruits that are coming through, which we're trying to do as in trying to reduce the demographic of the care workers. Obviously, it's a very aging kind of workforce. And obviously, getting the people that are coming through like 18, 20 and trying to make them interested, which has happened from the overseas, which is the cultural differences in like making it, it sounds simple, but making a sandwich, making a cup of tea, doing the, uh, the food that they don't normally do. Uh, in the Philippines, and then everything else as well that's basically come with it. Um, so yeah, the onboarding has changed drastically just from this. Uh, and we have one it was one trainer actually down in Paul that basically spearheaded it. It was where the um, seniors were trying to basically not pick up the slack, but the things that we missed, the seniors were picking up on, and the seniors do enough as it is. So the seniors were training the extra thing, like the tea, like just the small things that, from a client's basis, is the well, is exactly their bread and butter. So. From that point of view, that we've changed the recruitment. So the seniors were doing less and basically showing them how to do it rather than having to do it for them. So. And credit to your seniors. I remember over dinner one time, you were telling me how some of your seniors are even doing driving lessons. Yeah, everything. <laughs> so that was a thing that Aaron mentioned when I when, when I laughed, actually, that the amount of time investment that goes in. My managers have gone from being care managers to now being... Um, tenants are basically like uh, was it rental like rental managers and driving instructors and 
not not it wasn't babysitting, but the amount of sometimes when you move to a country, we've never done it. No, I no one, I don't know anyone that's just up ship and completely moved to a place that's completely culturally different. Mm. There was a lot of times, twelve o'clock at night, you're getting a phone call and talking to like someone how to like fill up a car rather than knocking on the window. They're not going to come out and do it for you. Like there's so there's little things like that which are small, but you didn't really you didn't think about it when we were putting them in place so they have the managers almost say now they've got an extended family with yeah. the overseas they've got just because the level of kind of um like amount of kind of like time they spend talking to them which i think from a work workforce point of view it should extend to everyone which it does but we don't really notice it when you put until you put like 20 people that are brand new to the country in one place at one time so you, yeah. you use the word family. What did what do they think about it? Because the seniors, it's diversified the role. So that yeah, the seniors. Well, it's more the managers and the office team that have become this like extended. It's just the support, and obviously they can see the benefit of having these people doing forty hours a week, and obviously picking up the hours from the council because we're all we're mostly eighty percent um, local authority funded. So it's not private. So it's all like helping the councils with that working partnership we already had. Um, so yeah, I'd say that they 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 welcome it uh, obviously at the time it was they were stressed from doing the care hours anyway but that's all gone away and uh, they still embrace it now and i'm always because i've got 37 managers now it's just a lot of them are like when is it my turn to go yeah. seeing a certain oh they, they all they all welcome it yeah um so yeah i think there's only a select few that haven't actually got some yet we've got some overseas recruits so just to change the gear a little bit and we've talked from the company's perspective um I want to talk from a resident's perspective. We've actually had a resident, um, not a resident, a client mm -hmm. who um, started recruiting uh, uh, internationally. Mm -hmm. And one of the family members expressed concern that her 80-year-old mum, she's hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. And her concern was, would there be issues from a communication perspective? So question for you, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but how can we ensure the communication barriers don't affect the quality of care? Is it like level of English? Maybe accent, some, especially someone who's hard of hearing. Yeah, I, well, I think now you've got like a lot of technology kind of basis. So there is the, the writing of care notes where you can talk into the, the care delivery app and possibly show it to them if that was how hard of hearing they were. But from our point of view, they've got all the English tests they have to pass before they're even given a visa. Uh, and we do interview, well, Aaron will interview his recruits at least twice before I even see them to make sure that that level, level of English is perfect. Uh, and then recently we've obviously hired a few uh, people from Africa and the same thing, like level English is perfect. And I think it's just working with the senior if they are struggling or if there's something we can change to basically help the clients. Because yeah, I think it is something that's quite a difficult hurdle. We haven't had it specifically, as you say, but from the other point of view, from having these people come in, I've had the clients actually open up their homes for the likes of you, you thought we we're going to get some kind of cultural or, or racial difficulty. It didn't have that. And also the, um, we actually been able to deploy a lot more male, male carers because the Filipino male carers were welcomed, which was quite a surprise. And it meant we were able to employ more males. So there's a benefit as well as like, I can see where the client can come from. And I think in England, we're very kind of advert, like adverse to change. So sometimes it's quite hard to just get through the door, but once you're there, sometimes it is welcome. That's less touch on that because. Even till today, we're getting care providers who are recruiting in the UK saying we only want females, very old people of this particular age. But you're saying you're seeing some success with male carers. People actually, they're open to it. Mm, I don't know if it's down to the clients or down to our managers being like, 
because obviously a lot of people in social care, special managers, have been there for a long time, and they don't seem to think that it's going to change. Or sometimes it's a lot of work to change, but the amount of work they put in to make the overseas recruits feel welcome and be part of the workforce or part of the apex family, as we call it, is that is actually expanded what we've been able to do. And I think that might have opened up their eyes as much as the clients. So I think it's a bit of both, really. Awesome. So we talked about from the company's perspective, mm. talked about from the person receiving care's perspective. Let's actually talk about from the carer's perspective. You know, thinking about these care workers, they're moving their whole lives here to the UK. Um, and it's important that they actually do get a good welcome, um, not just from the fly that you, that you said, but from the perspective um, of someone who's, you know, moving to the UK, I'd love to know what are some of the things we need to put in place from a well-being perspective. I'd love to get your views, um, Aaron, you touched on a little bit on it, but can you just talk a little bit more about how can we make that experience for them the best experience? Before we dive into the answer to that question, did you know 73% of people expect organisations like yours to understand their unique needs and expectations? And a whopping 98% of professionals say that they benefited from automation as it allows them to save time and focus on more customers. 98%? That's almost everyone. Want to find out more about what your customers expect from your service? Download Salesforce's State of Service report to discover the trends in the market and keep your business in the know. The direct link can be found in the show notes below. Now back to the episode. Well, coming in, um, yeah, I think that uh, most importantly, you need to be communicating with them before they arrive, even before the interview stage, before they meet the client. You know, um, yeah, they they need to be knowing what are the uh, what's the roles that they're going to be doing, the expectations of their job. Um, uh, really everything's set before they get put in a position where they're interviewing for a job just so they're well prepared for the job as well and for the interview um, and and so they're geared up for what, what exactly that expectation is going to be having those direct lines of communication between say Ben's team and the recruit whether that be through us or whether your listeners are going to be um, uh, recruiting directly it needs to be um, there needs to be that continuous um, uh, uh, communication with them um, and and then uh, post arrival, uh, just making sure that you've got that uh, those those lines of um, uh, transparency that is uh, that's going to happen. And, and like I said, uh, Ben's team and Ben's managers have been amazing with that. So uh, for them, uh, they can either there's enough of them where they can support each other now. So we were very very hands on with the first groups. So that's why me and Ben were very busy in end of 2021, uh, beginning 2020, because uh, we wanted to make sure that that first group was set. And then what ended up happening was uh, they ended up being the arrival and the and the welcome party for the next groups. The next groups, we sort of set a playbook in place for what happens with the next groups of managers. Um, and then they will go to their managers if they've got any issues, and they do. Some some of them are going to be away from their from their families, of course, but also their children, and it ends up being very difficult. So from from us, our obligation as an agent. Um, we have a family orientation, so the families actually are involved, and, and that's something to consider for anybody recruiting overseas, is actually invite the families on that pre-departure orientation. So the families are aware of where they're going and what the expectations are, um, and and if there is any issues, then we can reach across to the, to the family members if need be, um, and is really working as one, a triangular relationship between ourselves, the employer, 
and the recruit to make sure that they have the best chance for success long-term. Brilliant. I want to touch on this because this, there clearly is a slick process you've had, but this is, there are a lot of horror stories that we hear. I'm hearing horror stories across the sector. You guys have heard horror stories. And I want to touch on that. And I want to touch on ethical recruited. Um, this care, what, uh, care providers are regulated, but the recruitment of overseas care workers isn't regulated. And it's kind of like the world, world, world West right now. Absolutely. Can we just touch on some of the horror stories just to make people aware? Because from my perspective, the more that people know, the more that they can look out for certain things. So are there any horror stories you're aware of? And I'm, I'm sure you've already encountered. Yeah, so it's two weeks ago, actually. Uh, obviously, I, I mentioned this, uh, the student rule change, which if you're looking at hiring students, everyone has probably seen it because it's a very kind of a uh, lot easier route and it's a lot cheaper. Um, so obviously that changed and since that's changed. Cool. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm saying a Monday because there was no Monday, but three weeks ago, I'm, I'm estimating uh, that the rule changed for students. Before that Monday, students can basically apply for a skilled visa and then get accepted. They'll be given five years for the visa admin fee, which is 199 compared to for a big organization, you pay £1,000 per year of sponsorship. So if you think about it, it's five grand cheaper than what it would have been and you get work over five years, they get permanent residency. And it was just a straight swap. Now it's changed where they have to be, um, their attendance has to be good, they have to pass their, their graduate degree. And they also now can't bring their dependents over. Um, so that basically all changed. And while that changed, we then, things fell out the woodwork where the company were using, which I have actually asked. Specifically, are they being charged a thing or are we being charged a thing? They said no. Turns out that after this all happened, I didn't give the visa in the time before the, the date. Um, this person broke down and said how much they had been charged just, just to be placed with us. And how, how much was that? What were you talking? Um, yeah, so they were charged six to £8,000. I think £2,000 was just to have an interview with Apex. And then when they confirmed to have a job, it was a further four or another six. Uh, in terms of where these people have come from, I think the person that, actually gave her six, came out of her grandma's pension. Um, and then we've actually had to book her a flight home today because um, all the visa kind of fell apart. And obviously we offered a sponsorship, but because of all the exchange, it just didn't come, didn't come apparent. Um, so yeah, she's actually flying back to Nepal. Uh, I saw an email earlier about uh, us booking her flight to Kathmandu. So that's terrible. And it, look, six to eight grand. These, so there's basically companies going out there and they're making a killing off yeah. this interview process. And, are these individuals having to go away and get licensed, uh, get loans? And Apparently, yeah. I think, well, she came over on a student visa. I don't know if the, the fact that student rules have changed, I think people that were exploiting people because of this. Uh, and it's so new that when I called the police about this, they actually said they had no investigation. I then brought up a skills for care or a home care association article saying how this is against the Modern Slavery Act 2023. And after I said that, I'd email the officer this article and then he called me back saying he does have grounds for an investigation um so yeah i think it's so it's so new so fresh and people are just so unaware that if the police aren't aware that nothing else is being reported so how how care providers going to know aaron i'd love to bring you in on this as well what's your, what's your view and yeah i mean we um looking at it just from a business point of view you know they you, you really need to make it, uh, be making sure that um, you know, our way of recruiting is an employer pays uh, form of recruitment um, and, and recruitment pathway. 
that means that the airfare uh, then pays for the airfare, uh, the work permits, um, the recruitment fees, um, all of the training, obviously, before they come out. Um, and and, it, and like I said from the beginning, it's a very expensive process. It's you're looking at around twenty uh, percent of whatever that person's annual salary is, whether in uh, an OT, PT, midwife, rad tech, um, care worker, senior care work, and you multiply that over one hundred and twenty. It's a serious investment, but um, it can be very easy to be approached by an agent, and 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 there is unfortunately a lot of blind eye turning, people not asking the right questions, and and um, we've got a very good relationship with the. Uh, uh, Philippine Embassy and the Labour Attaché in the Philippines because um, unfortunately uh, with the Filipino staff there is nowhere to go so they go to the police and the police are unaware they pass it off to another sector maybe the Gangmasters Labour Abuse Authority um, they don't have um, you know they've, they've got a lot on and, and uh, they can't react as quickly as they'd like to CQC can't necessarily react and, uh, on, on this as well so it ends up going to the uh, to the labor attaché, and Ben and I were with um, her this morning, actually discussing some of the issues, and and um, you know BNB will 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 assist some of these abused staff who have come over under uh, false pretenses or there's contract swapping, and actually six thousand pounds in the industry isn't um, uh, for a job for an overseas vulnerable staff member uh to be exploited it's, it's actually quite quite small so it, you're looking sometimes at ten thousand or fifteen thousand they're taking massive um uh massive loans out putting families uh property on collateral um it's a huge amount of money and then they come in and they're having to work not to save money or save for themselves or you know we've already said it's very expensive in the uk once you pay tax and transport and accommodation, but actually they're paying back at extremely high uh, rates of interest. Some of them, the agencies are actually the ones who have loaned the money, so they're, they're, they're it's compacted. So, so it's 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 very very bad. But what what we say and 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 what has been our um, success for the longevity and the success of our clients in retaining the staff is actually the business value of ethical recruitment, which is. If you're covering all of the costs, then you can actually recruit the most qualified individual for the job, not the person who can afford the job, not the person who has the means to take out collateral, take out, um, take out these loans who might have, you know, wealthy family members, because that really does narrow. So that's from a business point of view. But then the ethical point of actually wanting to do the right thing, you know, it, it shouldn't be a no-brainer. But if you're being approached by an agent who's saying, um, we can get you somebody for free. You need to be asking very, very difficult questions of that agent because they are they are really um, whilst things are a little bit open right now, um, they are they're, they're, they're making the most of it. It's um, you know it's, it's horrible. It's heartbreaking to hear, especially of people taking that and just drawing down on pensions. That's terrible. So if we are going to do this the right way, and you know, as I said, that's something that's important. What are the questions that these providers should be asking? Well, I asked this question. I asked the question, not only did I make sure the person that referred the applicant to me not be on the interview, I was there with the person interviewing. And I asked all these questions and they said nothing. They're scared. They are so scared. You won't know. The only reason this happened is because their job fell apart and this rule changed. So with the rule change, you're probably not going to get it as much because they can't just swap visa. They can't just come in. You might get them where, where they're doing it when they're in their actually own country, and we and we do it the normal route. And then they might be charged money then. But how do you know that? It, like, 
when there's somewhere that's not got a system or isn't as like is is we're very lucky with how safe we are uh especially when you're in a country like that you don't know i ask these questions which is another thing which i didn't get there so so i'm kind of looking for some answers here if, so, if someone's watching this now they're thinking they don't want to put someone through that they don't want to take someone on board and then all of a sudden they realize wow they've got yeah all these loans well cqc what? is on us on our back 24 7 for and i know i get i get why but why the agent is not the same well there are people bringing over from vulnerable places coming over here for a job why are they not audited the same way we are mm -hmm. is that also being being a sponsor the amount of paperwork i have to do just to keep them here i have to update their location all the things you should have to do anyway but i'm doing all of that the people sourcing them don't do anything they source them give me the details all the all the kind of risk is on my back all the kind of responsibilities on my back and all the costs yeah we pay the costs and basically help the communities and help the councils here provide the care but in terms of the risk is all on us when the agent example like obviously aaron's got good ethical background and good kind of ethical practices but like every person has got a bit of money right now is where are they going to go what's recession proof social care what's recession proof without recruitment without risk an agency bringing them over from a different country so aaron from an from a care provider's point of view and you being an agent, what questions should care providers be asking agents to identify? Like, like Ben said, you can ask all the questions in the world, but if they if they want to give you the answers, if they are feeding the answers to the um to, to the candidate, then then they can give you anything. The key is is um do your homework, do your due diligence, talk to, you know, do testimonials. You know, I I give I give Ben's <laughs> Ben's uh, email out to uh, to our other clients. I invite them to um uh to do their testimonials and, and, and to do their uh, to do their um uh, do their homework. Um so that's the only way you're going to you're going to know and 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 um and you know we're very, very transparent with that from from the the, the first time we them. Also um meet them face to face as well you know like anyone you don't even know where these people are where they are uh zoom but if you can actually tell a lot you know your, your listeners are all business people you know they have to be in the same room as them to really get the vibe and and see if they're for real right so that's why you know um you can we can do an initial initial conversation and, and from our point of view we need to make sure that our clients are the right partners for us you know we we're selective with who we we work with um, because we want we want to make sure that uh, uh, you know we've got obligation to our to our uh, candidates and their families. We need to make sure that they're going to the right place. So you know we have to do a dance. They check us out. We check them out. So that that's really really very important. Um, you know on the part of the accountability, there's no accountability really. Unfortunately, with the with the agents, you know we we very important. You do make sure your agent is signed up to the. Um, uh, NHS uh, international recruitment um, best practice, um, uh, but you know, we are we would welcome we would welcome um, uh, some form of, of of certification or credentialing in our industry in Canada uh, for every province that we are working in. So BC and Alberta, uh, we're audited every year. Uh, we have to sign up. We actually pay twenty thousand um, uh, dollar. Um, uh, fee that stays in an account and if you if you do break the law or you do have to pay fines that's where the money comes from so it just shows that you can be serious you don't just start, start a company and then all of a sudden you're an international recruiter you know it shows intent but luckily we did that and we we're able to bring some of those practices over to what we do 
but yeah, it's all it's all actually the the, the people who are um uh who are auditing is the employers. It's on the employers to actually um uh choose which is the best practice and which recruits to I would pull out from that you wanna do your research, know that this isn't a company that's popped out from nowhere. Mm. Know that they have testimonials from other care providers. Talk to them. Talk to them. Also, it will be. I think, from my perspective, it would be great to get testimonials from people who will come from overseas mm. to actually understand. I think, yeah, I'm in a great place. They've done what they said they were going to do. Um, that's super important. But I really do want to touch on that because it's uh, it's an elephant in the room. I've said. Yeah, but let's talk about the future. Now you you know really got this new route of recruiting you put process in place earlier you were joking saying like wow process are so slick it's like nothing to do yeah what what does the future look like well, well obviously I, I overseas recruiters what we've fallen back on because the amount of vacancies and if there was actually the limelight that care workers deserve we wouldn't need this the pay should be correct like just the kind of like what they should be looked at the same level as nhs then we wouldn't need this but obviously we do um so it is going to go that way at the moment, I just think it just needs kind of some kind of monitoring. And we're bringing a lot of people over and we're getting an awful lot of inquiries every day. Like, I'm not getting the 40 hours I was promised. Can I come to you? I don't know if that's through reputation that we've got quite a lot of overseas with us already. Uh, but the fact is that the amount of inquiries I'm getting is unbelievable. The amount, the amount of people that aren't getting their 40 hours. So that, that in itself, just imagine if like these people that aren't just setting up care agencies because they can with money and because you're not you're not audited or by CQC for at least the first couple of years, so how do you know that it's ethical with the people that just joined the market? Because they're not aware of these things either. So, I, ideally, I'd like a mix of both. I'd like the I'd, I'd like the limelight to be put on the care workers like it's deserved. Brilliant. So, there's something I just want to something came to mind that you were just talking. I was going to ask you the final question. I will be wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking to you guys very well. <laughs> um, Aaron, I want to ask you this. With so many people flogging to the UK, let's take from the Philippines, a part of me kind of feels, aren't we taken away from the nurses who are there uh, in that country and they come in here? What would you say around that? Well, it's um, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, you know, there's nurses that are over there and in the town where we're from, Iloilo, in, um, where uh, one of our offices are in the Philippines. Um, it's not a huge city, it's probably three, four hundred thousand, but we've got 13 universities, all of the medical schools. Um, and so we are Filipinos, we're creating more more nurses than than, than we would we would need, unfortunately. And, and that's really just the culture of it, you know. Um, being a caring and compassionate uh, 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 culture, you know, um, going into going into nursing is is uh, is standard. Um, but also, it's a way to leave the country and to go out. So, um, you know, uh, the 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 uh, NHS have got red list countries that they've looked at to say uh, if you are recruiting from these certain countries, you're putting a stress and a strain on their healthcare. Um, uh, on on their healthcare, so uh, the Philippines is is off that, and and a few of the other countries are that you might not expect. So um, the other thing as well is, for every individual that you bring over, you're actually helping 25, 30 people overseas 
uh, they're sending back money to pay for brothers, uh, sisters, nephews, nieces, cousins to go to school and continue that. You're sending money to uh, sometimes fund other business projects. You're sending money to build houses back home for parents and to provide care. And 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 you can actually even afford to pay for uh, for a family member to or a or a, or a care to look after your parents in in the uh, in the home setting, which is what's called tree normal. Uh, uh, overseas so um, yeah there's, there's a little bit of nuance to that question um, but uh, but but overall if you're bringing the person over correctly giving them the opportunity to stay and then send money back to the Philippines you know that's um, uh, that's really overall a, a benefit to the country and to the families that you're helping smashing so there's a new part to the show and what it is at the very end I ask every single guest, forgetting about the how, if there was one thing you would implement in the care sector to make a positive impact, what would it be? And I'd love you both to answer that. Uh, recognition and pay. Tell me a little. Just that it's not paid enough. Hey, you can't get paid the same as you work in Audi for looking after someone, providing personal care. My, my kind of outlook on it is NHS, yeah, they do a great thing and I'm not going to knock that, but they basically look after someone and then send them home. Where do they go to? The carers. Their whole life is with a carer and then they die. So, yeah, no recognition of that at all. All right. Again, specifically for international recruitment um, accountability on the, uh, on the side of international recruiting agencies. Um, and, uh, yeah, just oversight to provide uh, uh, assurance to, to uh, care providers and to, uh, and to the candidates overseas. Smash it. Well, look, I can talk to you guys all day long. Um, thank you so much for joining the show. There's a lot in there, so just really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Tea with Toby. If you found this episode useful, don't forget to share it with one of your colleagues from the sector. And if you have any questions, drop me an email at team at prosperwell.co.uk. If you're new to Tea with Toby, do check out previous episodes in the season and also look out for future ones. Tea with Toby is produced by specialist care sector, digital marketing agency, Prosperwell. Caring for the brands that care for others. Tea with Toby. 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 Tea with Toby.